four years ago, I think about that. Maybe five now. Maybe five. Our brother Don Fortner introduced me to this man. Our brother, dear, 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 Pastor Clay Curtis, Pastor Friend. And I have just fallen in love with him, as I have with all of God's ministers that I've been blessed to meet. Kevin. Kevin and I have become close friends. We talk probably two or three times a week. I talk to Clay at least once a month. Gabe. I just had to express how much I love you, brother. Please come. Pastor Clay Curtis from Princeton, New Jersey. Sovereign Grace Baptist Church at Princeton, New Jersey. Please come and bless us with a message from the Lord. Well, I feel the same about Brother John. Thankful the Lord made our paths to cross. Um, if you will, turn with me to 1 Samuel 22. Brother Kevin, thank you for those messages. Thank you all for your hospitality and it's good to see you all again. I normally don't read a long passage of Scripture, but I believe I'm going to have to. And I'm going to read the whole chapter of 1 Samuel 22. I think it will help us to, to see the message. Verse 1 says, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented, gathered themselves unto him. And he became a captain over them, and there were with him about four hundred men. And David went thence, went thence to Mizbe of Moab. And he said unto the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you till I know what God will do for me. And he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the while that David was in the hold, while he was in the cave. And the prophet Gad said unto David, Abide not in the hold, depart and get thee into the land of Judah. Then David departed and came into the forest of Horeth. When Saul heard that David was discovered, and the men that were with him, now Saul abode in Gibeah under a tree in Ramah, having the spear in his hand, and all his servants were standing about him. Then said Saul unto his servants that stood about him, Hear now, ye Benjamites, Will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? That all of you have conspired against me, and there's none that showeth me that my son hath made a league with the son of Jesse, and there's none of you that's sorry for me, or showeth unto me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as at this day. Then answered Doeg the Edomite, which was set over the servants of Saul, 
and said, I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob, to Elimelech, the son of Ahitub. And Elimelech inquired of the Lord for him, and gave him victuals, and gave him the sword of Goliath the Philistine. Now that was a lie. It was only partly true. Elimelech had not inquired of the Lord for David. You'll see that next. It says, Then the king sent to call Elimelech the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all his father's house, the priests that were in Nob, and they came, all of them, to the king. And Saul said, Hear now, thou son of Ahitub. And he answered, Here I am, my lord. And Saul said unto him, Why have you conspired against me, thou and the son of Jesse, in that thou hast given him bread and a sword, and, and, and hast inquired of God for him, that he should rise against me to lie in wait as it is this day? Then Elimelech answered the king and said, And who is so faithful among all thy servants as David? which is the king's son-in-law, and goeth at thy bidding, and is honorable in thine house. Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Be it far from me. Let not the king impute anything unto his servant, nor to all the house of my father, for thy servant knew nothing of all this, less or more. And the king said, Thou shalt surely die, Elimelech, Thou and all thy father's house. And the king said unto the footmen that stood about him, Turn and slay the priests of the Lord, because their hand also is with David, and because they knew when he fled and did not show it to me. The servants of the king would not put forth their hand to fall upon the priests of the Lord. And the king said to Doeg, Turn thou and fall upon the priests. Doeg the Edomite turned, and he fell upon the priests, and slew on that day eighty-five persons that did wear a linen ephod. And Nob, the city of the priests, smote he with the edge of the sword, both men and women, children and babies, and oxen and asses and sheep with the edge of the sword. One of the sons of Elimelech, the son of Ahitub, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abiathar showed David that Saul had slain the Lord's priests. And David said unto Abiathar, I knew it that day when Doeg the Edomite was there, that he would surely tell Saul, I have occasioned the death of all the persons of thy father's house. Abide thou with me, fear not, for he that seeketh my life seeketh thy life, but with me thou shalt be in safeguard. My subject is safety in Christ. Safety in Christ. And here is the point, and this is what I want you to have on your mind and in your thoughts the whole message. Abide in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on Christ. Abide in Christ. Because all who abide in Christ are always safe. Abiding in Christ, we are safe at all times. 
abide in Christ. David here is a believer, and he's being pursued by Saul. Saul has the office of the king, but David is God's anointed king. And Saul wants to kill David. And so he's pursuing David to kill David. But David's also a type of our Lord Jesus Christ. One of this this son that escaped and ran to David. And this is what David said to him. And this is what the Lord Jesus says to his people. David said, I've occasioned the death of all the persons of thy father's house. Abide thou with me, fear not. For he that seeketh my life seeketh thy life. But with me thou shalt be in safeguard. Child of God, you will be persecuted for the sake of Christ. And you will face much tribulation in this world as Brother Kevin just just taught us. As our Lord promised. But abide in Christ and you shall be saved. Now, first of all, do you fit the description of one that the Lord Jesus Christ saves? Do you fit the description of one Christ saves? Here's the description of those our Lord saves, right here in verse 2. Everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented, gathered themselves unto David, and he became a captain over them. For you who've never come to Christ, and for you that believe on Christ, the root cause of all our distress, all our discontent, all our sorrow and affliction, the root cause is sin. It's either sin and unbelief in us, or it's sin in men of that's person persecuting, but the root cause is always sin. Don't look to the second causes. That's the root cause. And the only cure is Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ has purged the sins of His people. He has put away the sin of His people. And if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you come to Him, you will be saved. Now, if you've never believed on Him, believe on Him today. Believe on Him right now. Cast all your care on the Lord Jesus Christ to save you and your soul eternally. And if you do believe on Christ, believe in right now. Cast all your care into the hand of the Lord Jesus. Cast your burden on the Lord and leave it there. Believers, never stop coming to Christ. We need Christ to save us from the first hour to the last. Believe on Christ right now. And I pray the Lord will use this message to cause you to do so. I pray He'll do that right now. I really pray for you and for me that the Lord will cause us to cast our care on Christ and believe on Him. There's safety in Christ. And here's why. Because number one, Christ is our Lord. Number two, Christ is our Savior. And number three, Christ is our safeguard against the devil and all falsehood in this world and every temptation. 
I want you to see these three things. First of all, all who believe on Christ are saved because Christ is our Lord. He's our King. He rules everything. It says here, verse 3, David went thence to Mispe of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you till I know what God will do for me. And he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the while that David was in the home, while he was in the cave. Here you have King David. He's king of Judah. And here you have the king of Moab. Christ is the king. He was David's king, and he was the king of Moab's king. Christ is the king of kings. He's ruling over all. He's the Lord of his elect Jews in Judah, and he's the Lord of his elect Gentiles in Moab. He's the king of kings. All who trust Christ are safe because he's our king. He's our Lord. Seen and unseen things, he rules it all. And most of our warfare is with unseen things. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against spiritual unseen things that we don't, we're no match for. But Christ is king ruling all. Now we see this by considering who the Moabites are. What in the world is David going to take his parents to the Moabites for? Who, who are the Moabites? Lot was the father of the Moabites. Lot's herdmen had a disagreement with Abraham's herdsmen. And over a piece of ground, <laughs> over a piece of ground, Abraham told Lot, pick whatever you want, Lot. And Lot should have submitted to Abraham because Abraham was the man God used to preach the gospel to him. And that's where the gospel was in that day. And he should have just submitted to Abraham and stayed right where he was. But Lot looked out, and he saw that fertile plain of Sodom. And it just made good sense. Carnally, to the carnal eye, and to the carnal reason, it made sense. I'll take Sodom. I'll take Sodom. Never judge by carnal reason. Never judge by carnal sight. Never judge by God's providence alone. Judge what you should do by what God's Word says. By what God's Word says. But by grace, because Lot was a chosen child of God, Christ our King delivered Lot out of Sodom and saved him. He delivered him out of Sodom and saved him. Now, we don't understand how important it was to have a son in those days. We just don't get how important that was to them. But they had the promise that the Messiah was coming through the through woman, the seed of woman. And that was very important in those days. And so after the Lord delivered Lot out, there was no men for Lot's daughters to have children. And in order to preserve seed, Lot's daughters got their father drunk and lay with their father. I think that was an act of faith. But whether that was so or not, it does, this is so. Faith, sin's mixed with our faith. Sin is mixed with our faith. Never look to your faith. Faith looks to Christ only. Amen. 
But Christ our King saved life. And He overruled His errors. He overruled His sin so that the Moabites descended from Lot. That's why you have this nation, Moab. And then there was a man named Elimelech. And he made another, he was also made a terrible error in judgment. Judging by carnal sense, by carnal sight, he was in Judah in the house of bread. He was where God's gospel was. He was where God promised to meet with his people. He was where he could hear the gospel of the Lord and worship the Lord. The house of bread. And there was plenty of spiritual bread there. But God sent a famine of physical bread. And he looked at Moab and it was fertile. And they had plenty of physical bread. They didn't have the gospel. But Elimelech said, we'll go there and we'll sojourn there. And then his sons, against God's law, took them Moabite wives. That was a sin against God in what they did. And the Lord killed Elimelech and he killed his two sons. But God saved Naomi, his wife, and one of the wives that his sons took was a woman named Ruth. And these were God's elect children. And God saved them and delivered them back to Judah, back to the house of bread where Ruth met Boaz the near kinsman, a picture of Christ our kinsman redeemer and his elect bride. And so God did all of that. He overruled Lot's sin. He overruled Elimelech's sin. He did all of that so that Christ Jesus our Lord, according to the flesh, would be born through Ruth. Now is anything too hard for our king? No. Do you see what he did? Is anything too hard for him? That's why Moab exists. Brethren, sin not. Do not sin. And I know this, if you're born of God, you don't want to sin. And you long for a day when you'll be free from this body of sin and death. But sin not. Do not sin. Our sin is never excusable. It's our own fault. And and that's just period. Period. But God sovereignly overrules our sin. He overruled Lot's sin. He overruled Elimelech's sin to bring His eternal purpose to pass that Christ might come into this earth and our kinsman redeemer save all His elect people. And that's what He's able to do for me and you. That's what He'll do. He rules all things in this world. When it says He works all, all things work together for good, they don't just work together. He works them all together for the good of His people according to His eternal purpose. That includes our errors in judgment. That includes our sins. That includes everything in this world. Our King shall save His people. That's the first reason we're saved is because Christ is our King. Brother... Kevin just preached it. He taught us, Abide in me, for without me you can do nothing. Now that means what it said. Without Christ, we can't do anything. He said, These things have I spoken unto me, unto you, that in me you might have peace. You're not going to have peace anywhere else. 
you will not have peace anywhere else. In this world, you shall have tribulation. Are you in tribulation? Are you suffering affliction? Do you have trouble? All God's people do. And our Lord told us we would. In this world, you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Christ said, I have overcome the world. So first thing is, we're safe in Christ because He's our King. Abide in Him. Abide in Him. Secondly, we're safe in Christ because Christ is also our Savior. He's our righteousness. He's our holiness. He's our redemption. He is all to His people. He is salvation. We see here, David took his mother and his father to safety and in that, we see the law being fulfilled. The law said, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now, God's saints want to obey God. We want to obey uh, uh, every commandment of our Lord. His law is holy, just, and good, and we want to do what the Lord tells us to do. It's, it's only for our good. Why wouldn't we? But that was not David's righteousness. There was a lot of sin and selfish reasons that David was taking his mother and his father down there for safety to protect them from Saul. And sin's always mixed with what we do. We cannot look to any obedience of our own and think we're made righteous by it. No sinner will ever be justified by the law. We have never kept the law in righteousness. You have it. I have it. No fallen son of Adam has ever kept the law in righteousness. But you look at David as a picture of Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled the law for God's elect people in perfection. He did it in perfection. He fulfilled not just that law. He fulfilled the whole law of God. And we are justified by Christ and we are righteous in Christ Jesus. The Scripture said what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. There was nothing wrong with the law. It was us. What the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who are born of God, who walk not after the, after the flesh but after the Spirit. Let me tell you what that doesn't mean. That doesn't mean, as some preach, that Christ fulfilled the law in righteousness, and when you're born of God, now you can fulfill the law in righteousness. That's not what it means. What it means is Christ fulfilled the law in perfect righteousness, and when He gives you faith to lay hold of Him, the righteousness of God is imputed to you because Christ made His people righteous by His obedience. There's a whole other message in that chapter about imputation. I could, preach, I could preach a long time on it. Saul imputed treason to Elimelech, but that didn't make it true. Him, him imputing a treason to Saul, that didn't make it true. And you're not made anything by imputation. Somebody can charge you with a false charge, and that don't make it so. Somebody can charge you with a true charge. That don't make it so. Might not be so. Imputation is God imputing what is fact due to a prior act. 
God made Christ sin. That's the prior act. And therefore he was numbered with the transgressors. And Christ put away the sin of his people. And by his obedience made his people the righteousness of God. And therefore when God imputes righteousness to you. It is because Christ made you righteous by his obedience. It is a just charge. Because that's what he made his people. Imputation is the imputation of what is true. Based on a prior act having been accomplished. He imputed sin to us because Adam sinned and made us disobedient. That's what made us sinners. So you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The law is not against the promises of God. If life could have been given by the law, then righteousness would have been by the law. Life and righteousness are one and the same. Just like sin and death are one and the same. But you can't have life through the law because you can't have righteousness through the law by your works. But the Scriptures have concluded all under sin that the promise by the faithfulness of Jesus Christ might be freely given to them that believe on the Son. And that's why you're safe, believer, if you believe on Christ because He has fulfilled all righteousness and He has made His people the righteousness of God in Him. And be sure to get this now. Because Christ satisfied justice for His people, that same justice that demanded you die because Christ died in the room instead of His people and justified His people, that same justice now demands His people must live and be saved. Justice is your friend, child of God. The justice of God, justice of God is your friend. So abide in Christ. He's our King and He is our righteousness. But somebody might say this, but preacher, I can't see Christ. I can't see Him. No, but we see Him by faith. We see Him by faith. And though Christ right now is at God's right hand, you are as secure in Christ Jesus the Lord as when He walked this earth amongst His disciples. I want you to see that in this verse. In verse 3 it says, David went from the cave of Dullam to Misbe of Moab. Now David had not left the cave of Dullam yet. He was still <laughs> abiding there, going there at night. But while he was still abiding in the hold, he went to Misbe of Moab to provide refuge for his father and his mother. A Dullam was a cave underground. And what it means is, Justice of my people. That's what a dullard means. Justice of my people. And Misby in Moab means watchtower of his father. That's what the, that's the definition the Greek lexicon gives of both those terms. A dullard means justice of my people. Misby in Moab means watchtower of his father. Our Lord Jesus Christ accomplished justice for His people on the cross and was buried in a tomb bodily, just very similar to that cave being underground. He was in a tomb. But when our Lord's body was in that tomb, in spirit, because He had accomplished redemption for His people, in spirit, He already entered into the holiest of holies in the presence of His Father, and all His people were in Him. And so, while as yet his body was in that tomb, his disciples at that time, scared to death because they saw their Savior crucified, but though his body was in that tomb, 
they were as safe and secure in Christ as they were when He walked among them bodily when He was alive. And believer, Christ is risen. Gad told David, get out of the hold and go to the forest morass. Well, all the prophets prophesied Christ would arise. And Christ arose from the grave and He is at the right hand of the Father in body and spirit. And all His people are there in Him. Your life is hid with Christ in God. You are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. And you are as safe right now because of Christ as as you would be if He was walking this earth bodily. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He said, I'm with you always. And that's so. He's there right now bodily, but He's with His people all the time. And He will keep you and you are safe in Him. So that's why we're safe, brethren. And this is what Peter said. Whom having not seen, you love. You don't see Him. We don't know Christ after the flesh. We don't even know our brethren after the flesh anymore. We know them in spirit. Because your brethren have been made new creatures in Christ. They're new in Christ. And you know Christ in spirit. You see Him by faith. And so, in whom though now you see Him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving right now, even right now, when you're in trouble and you're in a trial and you're in affliction, you receive right now the end of your faith, which is the salvation of your soul. Through faith right now, you see Christ in any trouble you're in, and you know, I'm safe and secure in my beloved. So you believe Him and you abide in Him. Now I want to get to this last thing. Christ is our safeguard against the wiles of the devil. Saul here is a type of the devil. And he's a type of that false Jesus that men preach. And they're one and the same. The devil and this false Jesus men are preaching. They're one and the same. It says there in verse 6, When Saul heard that David was discovered and the men that were with him. And it says, Saul was abiding in Gibeah under a tree in Ramah, had his spear in his hand, and all his servants were standing about him. You picture Saul there. He's in Gibeah. That means he's in a grove. And throughout the Old Testament, will worshipers, and that's what false religion is. That's men who are worshiping another Jesus are worshiping their will. That's the idol. It's self. And, and we don't look down our nose at them because, because we're just like them by nature. And you couldn't save yourself. We're worshiping the will of our Father and we're saved by His will. And so we can't very well be high-minded toward those that are in will works religion. But they always worshiped in the groves where the shade was just because the shade was there. That's why they went there. And will worshipers today do the same thing. They look for a church based on carnal things. Do you have something for the kids? Do you have programs? Can you entertain us while we're on our way to hell? That's basically what men are looking for. Christ has always been worshipped at God's appointed place. It's in God's house at Jerusalem in Mount Zion. That's where He was worshipped in that day. And brethren, today Christ is in heavenly Mount Zion. He's in heavenly Jerusalem. And He is ministering to His people through His preacher when the gospel is being preached. 
That's how Christ is ministering to His people. And now if you will be safe in Christ, stay in God's house, united with His people, under the preaching of the gospel of Christ, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, Saul had heard where David was, and he heard about these men that were with him. And the devil knows Christ is victorious. He knows Christ has risen. He's accomplished redemption. And he knows he has an elect people, and he knows them that are his. Saul had a spear in his hand. That represents power. Later, David took that spear from Saul, but David gave it back to him. The devil bruised Christ's head on the cross. But our Lord Jesus Christ crushed the devil's head. I mean, uh, the devil bruised his heel, but Christ crushed the devil's head. And he's the accuser of the brethren. He'll use men to accuse the brethren. But Christ took all his power from him by taking all the sin of his people away. The devil has nothing with which to accuse his people before the Father because Christ put our sin away. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? That's a broad brush. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God to justify. It's Christ that redeemed us and is at God's right hand interceding for us right now. So the devil has no power to accuse his people. For our safety, brethren, and remember this, the devil can only do. David took that spear from him. Christ took the power from the devil. But, the, but David gave that spear back to him. You find that in chapter 23. Well, Christ took all the power from the devil, but he will only permit the devil to do what fulfills Christ's purpose. That's all the devil can do. That's all he can do. But for our safety, brethren, the devil, he's wanting you to be separated from Christ. He's wanting you to be separated from your brethren. But for our safety, the Lord's given us spiritual discernment so that you hear Christ's voice when the gospel is preached. And Christ said, And my people will not follow a stranger. They will not follow a stranger. Saul gives us here a picture of what false, what men preach when they preach that false Jesus. This is what the devil would love for you to believe. This is what the devil would love for me and you to think when we're in our affliction and when we're opposed and when we're persecuted and when we're in trouble. This is what he would love for you to think. Look what he did. Verse 7. Saul said to his servants, Here now, you Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards or make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? The preaching of that other Jesus motivates with the promise of earthly rewards. Just like that's what Saul was doing. He was trying to motivate him with the promise of earthly rewards. Now, get this, and this is so important. When the Scripture speaks of blessing His people, God blessing His people, it often uses temporal things. That that covenant God gave to Israel was only an earthly covenant. It only promised earthly blessings and an earthly inheritance in an earthly land called Canaan. And, but it pictured heavenly. And so when you read of those earthly blessings, brethren, the blessings are not earthly blessings that God gives His people. The blessings are spiritual blessings. Those things picture spiritual blessings. They picture 
righteousness and holiness and peace in Christ. They picture per- preservation by our Lord and salvation by our Lord. That's what they, they speak. But carnal men only speak about temporal blessings. And they speak of heaven's reward as being just like temporal blessings. You got a richer, bigger mansion on the rich side of heaven and all that stuff. Christ Jesus is the true son of Jesse. He's the true David. And he gives every one of his people fields and vineyards. He will provide your earthly needs. And he gives you fields and vineyards. But here's the blessing. It's being united in one to Christ the vine. That's the reward of His people. That's the blessing of His people. Being inseparably united to Christ. Christ makes all His people captains of thousands and captains of hundreds. He does that. He has made us kings and priests unto God, and we're going to rank. We do reign with Him on earth right now. He's given us multitude of brethren, and when we die, we're going to be joint heirs with Christ. But brethren, the blessing is that we're one with the captain of our salvation who has accomplished our warfare. That's the blessing. That's the blessing. Christ is the reward of His people right now. And in glory, Christ is the reward of His people. And here's what the blessing is. Every one of His people have the exact same righteousness and holiness in and by our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the blessing. One. One in Christ. But Christ's blessings, and please get this, it's not health, it's not wealth, it's not prosperity, because brethren, that's not what we need. That's not what we need. When all is peaceful and everything's going well, your children will play with their toys and they're just happy and they're playing with their toys, everything's peaceful. As soon as trouble comes, they'll start calling out for mom and daddy. And we're the same. When everything's good, everything's peaceful, we're focused on our earthly toys and we become consumed with our earthly toys. And so the Lord will send you affliction and He will send you trouble to make you turn and call out to Him. Because He's going to keep you knowing He is the one thing needed. He's not going to let His child forget that. He'll provide you what you need in this earth. He'll provide you the temporal stuff that you need. There's a big difference between want and need. He'll give you what you need. But He will take away those things from you, be it health, be it anything else He gives you. Children, loved ones, whatever it is. To keep you knowing, Christ is what you need. He is the one thing needful. He's life. He's all. He's all. You'll, he'll provide for you, though. He'll provide you temporal stuff. David said, I've been young and I'm now old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, never seen his seed breaking bread. He'll provide these things. But Christ is He's going to keep you knowing Christ is your need. Saul here tried to make these men feel sorry for him. And in the trial, that's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to think everybody's conspiring against you, just like Saul felt, and, and nobody feels sorry for me, and what have you. That's what he wants you to think. And he wants you to do that so that you'll turn from Christ. You'll leave his gospel. You'll leave the brethren. But brethren, get this now. Saul's 
son, son Jonathan, he was in league with David. He was in covenant with David. And every one of God's people are in a covenant with our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is ordered and sure in all things because God didn't leave anything in mind in your hands to fulfill. He fulfilled it all. He fulfilled it all. And Christ Himself is the covenant. God said, I'll give thee for a covenant of the people. And Christ said, this new covenant is the New Testament in my blood. That's how sure it is. That's how sure it is. David suffered a lot of trials. Are you in trouble? Do you suffer affliction? Are you suffering sorrow because of affliction? David suffered a lot of it. David was in the wilderness more than he was in the palace. He wrote three-fourths of these psalms, or the majority of these psalms, in the wilderness. You know, Paul wrote three-fourths of the New Testament from prison. We wouldn't have these words. David, I mean, uh, Moses, he wrote the first five books in the wilderness, being rejected by the children of Israel. We wouldn't have the Scriptures if God didn't put His people in affliction. That's when you get the most blessing. That's when you see Christ really is all, and these other things is not what's saving you. But here's what David said at the end of his life. He said, although my house be not so with God, his own son tried to kill him. Although my house be not so with God, God made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and sure, and this is all my salvation and all my desire that we make it not to grow. This covenant's all our salvation. Christ our covenant and all that he's accomplished for us is all our salvation. Now the devil's got his dough eggs, just like Saul made dough egg, slayed 85 priests that day. And women, children, babies, cattle, everything, slew everything in Nod. But one son escaped and he ran to David. And David said, I've occasioned the death of all the persons of thy father's house. i got one more thing to show you and I'm done. David said, I've occasioned the death of all your fathers, all these priests. How did David occasion their death? David came to Nob, to Elimelech, and asked him for the showbread. And he was asking that showbread because he had men with him that hadn't eaten in three days, and he's trying to provide bread for them. And you know how he got that bread? He lied to Elimelech. And say he was on the king's business. There's a beautiful picture in that, brethren. Christ Jesus, who knew no sin, was made sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. David, in order to provide the showbread for his men, became guilty that he could provide bread for them. That's what Christ did for His people. And He made us the righteousness of God in Him. And you that believe, He's given you the holy bread, the bread of life, and it will never be taken from you again. And so this is Christ's word to you. Yes, you'll be persecuted for believing Christ. It was for David's sake that he was that those men died. And so now here comes this son of one of the men that died to David. And David said, your father died because of me. But David's heart went out to that boy because of it. And Christ is touched with our infirmities. He, he is touched when any of his people are persecuted for his sake. 
But the very one who caused the suffering, who caused the death of this boy's father, said to him, Abide thou with me, and fear not. He that seeks my life seeks your life, but with me you shall be in safeguard. And that's what Christ says to you and me, brethren. When you're persecuted for his sake, abide in Christ, you'll be safe in Christ. song for us to finish this morning's service with page 353 would you stand with me please all I can say to what was just preached is this seven more hours and we get to hear another wonderful message from our Lord from Brother Gabe Stonker can't wait for tonight shelter in the time of storm 353